We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Unfortunately, you know, I was leaving out and then I just seen felt popcorn on top of my head, you know. Um, and to be blatantly honest, man, it's getting out of hand, uh, especially for me. Um, just the amount of disrespect, the amount of just fans just doing whatever the f*** they want to do. It's just it's out of pocket, man. Wow, Tommy, the entire sporting world up in arms, just completely mortified at the popcorn incident last night at Wells Fargo Arena in Philadelphia. Uh, Sorry for no podcast yesterday. I will make that up for you, I promise you, with a Saturday podcast. Uh, Tommy's with me today. We have the Wizards, the popcorn incident. We've got uh, Chase Young, not at the first day of OTAs. Maybe we'll get an update on whether or not he was there yesterday or today. Nobody seemed to have any information about yesterday. We've got Jay-Z and hopefully Beyonce as well uh, as potential, potential owners in the Washington football team and a lot more, including, by the way, the story of the night, which was Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz and his New York Islanders advancing to the second round. By the way, Tommy, I was flipping back and forth between the Wizards game and that game. That crowd was incredible, topped only by the Madison Square Garden crowd for the Knicks over the Hawks. Did you tweet something about the crowd last night at Madison Square well, Garden? Well, I, I, I watched the, the end of the Knicks game. I mean, I switched over after the Wizards. Uh, and uh, it was loud, but I mean, having been a veteran of hearing many garden crowds, the loudest was game five, 1970 uh, NBA finals. When Willis Reed got hurt during the game, the Wizards are down by the Knicks, I mean, the, Wizards, the, the Knicks. Knicks are down by 10, 12 points. And the Knicks turn around and come back and win with Dave DeBusher and Dave Stallworth. Were you at that game? Will Chamberlain. No, I was not at that game. But uh, the crowd was absolutely deafening. And it's on YouTube, which I posted as well. I mean, it's of that series, game five is the greatest game. I mean, everyone talks about game seven. I mean, the next wound up running out, you know, going away. But game five, when Willis went down and basically they beat Wilt with a bunch of small forward, a bunch of, you know, six, six guys. Right. They, they held him in check. 
and they came back to win. I mean, that's the, that's the loudest crowd I've ever heard for an NBA game at the Garden. I haven't heard them all, obviously. You know, I've been to a playoff game in the Garden. I saw them play the Raptors. I want to say it was 2000, 2001. Maybe it was uh, whatever. It was right around that time frame. And a friend of mine who was working up in New York, who was a Maryland guy, said, no, 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 no. You've got to go to a playoff game at the Garden, which I did. And it was phenomenal. I mean, just electric. I mean, the the New York fan base has always been that for big games. Always. Yeah, listen, listen, I'll venture to guess, and I feel confident about this, that the loudest crowds for any event – in the history of the garden were Bruno Sammartino wrestling shows. I'll venture, I'll, I'll, I'll go on a limb and say that those, I know those were the loudest crowds. Bruno Sammartino sold out the garden like 60 times. Wow. It's unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> um, the, I mean, the Madison Square Garden crowd last night, and I know it's been a while for us as sports fans, but it was loud by any measure. You know, yes, it was. It was. It and was. It, it felt great to listen to it. It was felt great, and the Islanders crowd, you know, at Nassau Coliseum, was the same thing. You know, I sort of watched the final minute and the countdown. As Barry Trotz, by the way, won his fourth playoff series uh, <laughs> since exiting Washington. I mean, seriously, that this, dummy. Oh, that but guy. but Tommy, aren't you rooting for the Islanders? I'm rooting for them so hard. I think it would well, be it would be great if Barry Trotz won the cup with the Islanders this year. It um, would be just just desserts. He, uh, I mean, by the way, he's he's winning se- like he was the four seed in the in this in their division. Pittsburgh was the one seed. Yes, and once again, you know the high like Vegas was like a massive favorite in their series. They're going to a seventh and deciding game. The hockey playoffs are just completely uh, random uh, in terms of the results. But that crowd was nuts. The crowd at the Garden was nuts. And at least one fan in Philadelphia was a little bit out of control. We'll get to that in a moment. Somebody called the show this morning, and and they started off by – it was one of those compliment sandwiches, you know, where – you know, there was a little bit of criticism and then there was a real big compliment and then there was a little bit more criticism. And it started off with something like, you know, Kevin, um, this NBA thing with you. Uh, but let me let me just say, though, you've been one of my favorites and I love listening to you. And you do an incredible job of like making anything that you have passion for sounding like things we should have passion for. And then he ended it with, but I just don't know how you spend any time watching the Wizards or the NBA. Um, that was that was a phenomenal call. I appreciate it. The compliment sandwich, Tommy. Do you know what John Wooden's book, and I read, I, I've read a bunch of books on Wooden, but one of the first, you know, the, his whole pyramid of success thing, one of the things that John Wooden apparently um, really believed in was before you could constructively criticize a player, these are college players, you had to offer up four compliments. And if you didn't offer up four compliments for that one constructive criticism, the constructive criticism in many cases wouldn't be heard. If you've noticed over the years, it's the strategy I've employed with you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, let me get out my sheet of paper. So uh, I, 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 where I keep track of the compliment compliments that you I, give me. Well, I, you know, whenever that, I'm that go- little, like little notepad, whenever you know, I, the sticky, well, the sticky, it may that not, I keep all the compliments on. It may not be four to one, but I try to make it a one to one um thing, just so you'll at least be a little bit open minded. Because God knows you love getting stroked. 
You love when people say nice things about you. Um, all right, about you this- know, it's funny. I know so many coaches, so many coaches I've covered, managers who wooden is their bible. Oh yeah. I mean, just just their their. I mean, they swear by his philosophies. You know, it's so funny because, you know, the whole wooden pyramid of success, you know, um, which has, you know, poise and confidence. I got to pull it up to remember all of them. But, you know, friendship and loyalty and all these things. Um, Enthusiasm is a big one. Hold on, let me find the uh, the wooden pyramid of success. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Here are some of them. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, uh, friendship and loyalty, co- cooperation, enthusiasm, industriousness, self-control, alertness, initiative, and in- intentness, team spirit, skill, condition, poise, confidence, and at the top is competitive greatness. Um, anyway, the, 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 the irony about Wooden is that, you know, he coached in an era where the competitive landscape was so limited. It was yes. a very regional sport back then. The worst basketball other than UCLA was played in his region. And the bottom line is they cheated consistently yeah. over and over again. You yeah. know, they had, they, they had, had what's they his had face a paying big, a big the money backer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he obviously was an incredible coach uh, as well. Um, yeah, because uh, his players swear by him. Oh, my God. Swear by him. Uh, because I think he was a very kind man. But, you know, it's easy to be kind when your talent level far exceeds the competition. And you only have to win two games against mediocre competition to get to the Final Four every year. Whatever. I know. I, but, I, but, but one I, last I, thing on that. Yes. And I've said this before. Uh, I don't I don't penalize somebody for winning with talent. Agreed. Look, in college. I've seen a lot of guys screw up talented teams. Well, Tommy, in college sports, half your job is to recruit. I mean, yeah. you, you, I mean, if you don't have the talent, that's on you. You know, you'll get fired as much for losing without talent as you will with it, but you've got to have it. Anyway, yeah. he always had it, obviously. <clears throat> um, anyway, the game last night before we get to the popcorn incident, did you watch it, or am I talking yes, to I myself did. here? Okay. Um, no, I watched it. I watched it. Okay. Uh, you know, and it was, uh, you know, I'm watching it and I'm saying, you know, this is why I don't watch these games. Why were, why were you saying that? <laughs> well, because, I mean, it, 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 the Wizards, they were terrible. They were pathetic. I mean, they, they, I mean, defense is an illusion. It's, it's, they, 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 I mean, I just can't, I, I mean, they, they, you know, no one in the end, Drew Gooden pointed this out. Nobody in the NBA seems to double team anymore or know how to double team. They just don't seem to know how to do it. How to switch off, you know, like they seem clueless about it. And the Wizards in particular. Well, but, teams, uh, teams double players all the time. They don't double the post because there aren't post centers as much. Like Joel Embiid can be a post center. Right. So is that what he was talking about? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Steph Curry gets doubled all the time. No, I meant yeah. I meant in the post. Okay. A big man like, like yeah, Embiid. No. Well, one of the things I said on the radio show yesterday, and maybe I said on the podcast, I'm like, look, one of the things I would like to see is I would like to see at least an effort to change up things defensively. They're a horrible defensive team. I mean, horrible. And there are plenty of them in the NBA, but they're they're particularly bad. I mean, they don't have an individual really good defender. Their their rotations are bad. Their team, you know, their two best players, um, their two star players. 
lose concentration as much as anybody else does uh, defensively. Um, and and that sucks because Beal's such a great player offensively. He's an elite scorer, and we've seen that even in these first two games. But he loses people. He can't stay in front of people consistently on the defensive end. We're watching a really good defensive team, specifically a very good defender in Ben Simmons. I mean, he's really exceptional as a defensive player. Um, but I think actually Scott Brooks tried a much, bunch of things. They doubled the post a couple times, and then they wouldn't. They showed a little bit of zone. Like, he tried to do some things last night, you know, um, but they're just but not. He's got three. he's got three big men. That's 18 fouls. Right. And, you know, and I mean, how many times did, I mean, I mean, it's just, I mean, you got, you got to play tough against these guys. You got to make their lives difficult. Yes. So the 18 fouls was a a common theme before this series started. They got three centers. They play equals amount. uh, and And against Embiid, they got 18 fouls. And my point that I've made, and I think it's now been sort of, um, Sort of amplified, like I, 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 to me, it's so obvious now. If it wasn't obvious to anybody else, don't use those eighteen fouls on Embiid. Use them on Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is the one bullying his way to the rim and scoring at will at the rim, and he's just an absolute horrific free throw shooter. Last night, Ben Simmons did not go to the free throw line once, but had eleven made shots at the rim. 11 out of 15. Use your center to come and help and hack the shit out of Ben Simmons and put him at the free throw line. That's where I would use the 18 fouls. I've never seen, well, you know, I say this, I don't, I don't want to get caught up in the hyperbole because there are plenty of terrible defensive NBA teams. And look, the NBA is really hard these days. It's really hard to guard people. There are just so many, the skill level is so ridiculously. Uh, high and the shooting level and the way the floor has changed over the years with the way they back up and shoot. It's really hard to stop teams, but the Wizards are particularly easy to just get to the rim at will, to get into the paint at will. And then what happens is, you know, as they're scrambling to catch up, then somebody's kicking it out to somebody to shoot a three. But Ben Simmons should be, if I'm coaching the Wizards, Ben Simmons, he had a he had uh, he was eleven for fifteen. He would have been four for six, with with basically with that nine nine times two eighteen free throw attempts, in which he would have been six for eighteen from the line. He was zero for six Sunday. He shoots fifty nine or sixty percent from the season, but he's a train wreck at the free throw line. Meantime, Embiid is an eighty six percent free throw shooter, so you can't yeah. foul him. Um, by the way, Tommy. He's, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, they just start watching this time of year, and maybe a lot of people aren't even watching. And so they've heard about some of these players. Embiid's really good. He is really talented and gifted. He's a dominant player. I agree. Who does he remind you of? It's hard to say. I'd have to think about There's that. There's a lot of Elijah one in his game. Uh-huh. A, a lot of Elijah one. Now, Embiid can stretch the floor, as all centers now pretty much have to do. But his post game, there's a lot of Elijah one. He's not as great defensively as Elijah one was. Elijah one's, to me, I know Russell is okay, but Elijah one is in the conversation of the greatest defensive centers of all time. Um, but Embiid's got a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of shot making ability close to the basket like the Dream had. He's just got a lot of ways to score 
there. Um, I like him a lot. On the game, real quickly. So, to me, everything about this series was pace. If the Wizards can play at their pace, their preferred pace, which is very up-tempo, trying to score on a fast break or score on a secondary fast break, you know, essentially getting a shot up against a scrambling defense in the first five to ten seconds of the shot clock, where they can score 120 or 125 or 130 points, they'll have a chance to win a game or two. You know, a game. I had it at 4-1 before the series started. Um, and the truth of the matter in these first two games is they've actually played at a pace for much of the game. Sunday, I would estimate 65% of the game they played at their pace. Uh, and they had the halftime lead. Last night, the first half, the emphasis was take it out of the net, take it off the rim, let's in Russ or Ish Smith just run it at them, and then we'll try to you know get stuff quickly. Like That was an emphasis, and that's smart, because they are one horrible half-court offensive team. And they had the pace where they wanted it in the first half. The problem was they missed every open three they looked at. They were one for ten from behind the arc, and they missed six free throws in the first half. So if they make two more threes and three more free throws, that's nine more points, you know, and one of those threes probably, you know, led to an easy Philadelphia bucket. It's probably like 68-66 at halftime instead of 71-57. They just didn't knock down the shots. Then the game slowed down in the second half, and that's where they're an absolute embarrassment, as many NBA teams are. They don't have anything other than primarily – 80% of it's ISO or two-man, you know, pick and roll. And Beal is phenomenal. Even against a set defense, he's able to generate some offense on his own. But you can't, you know, you can't watch Philadelphia in a half court. It's 80% of the time for them, four people minimum touch the ball. Washington, 80% of the time for them, one or two people touch the ball. And it's just not going to work against almost anybody, let alone a good defensive team like Philadelphia. I predicted before the series that Washington would have two games in this series where they didn't score 100 points. They had gone 28 straight, 27 straight games of scoring 100 or more, and last night was the first. I bet there's one more coming. And the reason is, is the playoffs tend to turn slower and yes. half-court-ish, and I know how much they're going to struggle in their half-court offense. Um, you know, all my wizards friends. Of, yeah. Speaking of three pointers, uh, I mean, Berton should should was was just, I mean, horrific. They they can't win without him hitting his three point shots, and he didn't even score a point. He was zero for four. Um, he was victimized defensively. They attack him defensively. He fouled out without scoring last night. I know. <laughs> <clears throat> That's amazing. I mean, he's he's they can't win even if everything else is going well. They can't beat Philly unless that guy's hitting his trees. So, like the one or two friends that I have that care about the Wizards, they're constantly saying, "I mean, he's got to try new players. He can't play Bertans. What's he doing?" Well, you have to play Bertans um, in this series, and you have to hope that you can play your up-tempo pace for 60-70% of the time, and he can get those open looks in transition and knock them down, which he did in Game 1. You know, he's knocking down some big shots in Game 1. Um, and, you know, he, what was he from the uh, three-point line in Game 1? I'm looking it up real quickly. Four for eight. He was four for eight. He was five for ten overall. And... To me, I think he should have 10 to 12 minimum three-point attempts in a game, but he's not going to get those if the game slows down. And then he's a true liability on defense. But 
to your point, when they've they've had some really good games when he hasn't played or he hasn't played well, but is he overpaid? Of course. Um, is the game does the game uh, today favor a guy like Bertans? Yes, it does. A guy like yeah. Bertans is incredibly effective in today's games, especially when you've got two or three other guys that can make a defense, you know, sort of uh, hedge and and help and collapse. Um, but you know, he was worthless last night. You know, several Westbrook was terrible last night before he got hurt. You know, Beal wasn't guarding anybody, but Beal offensively is just incredible. Um, Gafford was getting beaten up a little bit at the rim by Dwight Howard, of all people. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I would just say, like, Hachimura and anybody else, when you've got an open three in transition or in that secondary break situation, just shoot it. My God. You might not get a better look, or the team might not get a better look, or we're going to sit there at the end of a shot clock and watch Russ you know, dribble the air out of the ball and fire up a three-pointer. I have one more quick comment from the game last night. This is just a pet peeve of mine in general. You know, teams love um, at the end of quarters, Tommy, the two-for-one opportunity. You know, when if you can get the shot up, you know, with six, you know, with 30 seconds left in the quarter that or 35 seconds left in the quarter, it means you're going to have another possession, you know, after the other team scores or misses on the other end. I'm all for, like, two-for-one thought. But if the first of the two is like a terrible shot attempt that misses, that's that defeats the purpose. I mean, Russell Westbrook in this two-for-one all year long, I've watched him just jack up threes, you know, contested threes like he did last night at the end of the first quarter. That's stupid. Stop doing that. Who cares if you don't end up with that second possession? Let's make sure we score on the have a, a chance to score in the first because usually that second possession is a limited time possession anyway. Like you're scrambling yeah. anyway because the other team, you know, made a bucket with seven seconds left. Okay, we got our second possession, but you know you're rushing to get something off. It's just it it was stupid. I, I hate I hate when teams do that. It's one thing if I've got Damian Lillard or Steph Curry shooting my three in a two-for-one situation, or even Brad. I'm fine with Brad, you know, coming down and jacking one up with 34 seconds, you know, left in the quarter. I don't want Russell Westbrook coming down and jacking up a contested three in a two-for-one. I don't want. I don't want to see that anymore. That's just not. That's not good basketball. Anyway, do you think anybody really cares about this team? No, I don't. Why do I? I absolutely don't. I mean, they're still trying to sell tickets. They were pushing them on the broadcast for uh, the home playoff game. What, what is it, 50%? So it's going to be 10,000 as, as a capacity? They've got to get 10,000 in their Saturday night. But maybe you not. Think so. Maybe not. If you it was would think one, they would. Yeah, if it was 1-1, one, one maybe. Um, so how just mortified and outraged – were you at Russell Westbrook's limping off the court under the tunnel and having popcorn thrown on him? Because well, the sporting world was really, really up in arms. It's, it's been the lead story in ESPN all morning long. Uh, I, I know. I know. I mean, listen, I watched the post-game show for the Wizards. Uh-huh. The whole first segment was about the popcorn. It was? The whole first segment. They didn't even talk about the game until they, they came back from a commercial. So the whole thing was about the popcorn. And here's what we don't know. And this has a big deal or not. Was it buttered or not? <laughs> that is such a big deal. I mean, if it was 
buttered and it, and it falls on you. It's all kind of gooey. It's and gooey stuff. and sticky, and that's gross. And, yeah. But if it, and, if and, it's and, dry or even just salted, I mean, I don't want to end up with salt and picking salt things off of me. But it'd be better if it were just dry. Good point. That should have yeah. been asked in the post game show or of I mean, Westbrook. Absolutely. I mean, so if if it wasn't buttered, <laughs> it's look. It's. I mean, you would have thought that he poured they poured battery acid on him. Oh my God. That's what I I, I I thought we were going to disagree on this. Let me just say for the record, okay, because several people tweeted me this morning. I am not condoning. I'm not excusing the behavior. Yes, they I should, agree. The guy should that be guy banned. needs to get jacked and banned. Yeah, yeah yes. Jack banned the whole thing. But there are degrees of you know fan violence. You know, Monica Sellis was the recipient of the ultimate in fan violence, a true attempt to kill her with a knife. She was stabbed on the court. You know, the malice at the palace, a lot of these things over the years, real serious shit. I'm not forgiving it or excusing it. I want that guy to pay for it. And I I don't want to see that happen. I mean, I I don't want to see that happen at all. But my God, the reaction all night yeah. and all morning. I did not watch the post game show. I went immediately way over the, next the top. Was just as as the guy that comes on overnight on Fox Sports Radio, which we're now a Fox Sports Radio affiliate on 980 these days. This guy Ben Maller, who does the overnight show. As I was driving in this morning, he and whoever his partner was just said, "You would have thought that they poured shrapnel on the guy." With the reaction, it was popcorn. It was. It, it, I know. Don't do it. Bad. The guy needs to be condemned. He needs to be banned. The whole thing. But holy smokes. And, you know, the other part of it, too, and for whatever reason, Westbrook's been the recipient of so many of these things. You know, there was that Nuggets fan that got in his face. There was the stuff from the Philadelphia fan when they gave him the finger right in his face. Everybody's had issues in Salt Lake with racial racial, uh, uh, slurs. And it's been really ugly in Salt Lake over the years. But this was not, you know, this wasn't the malice to palace. This wasn't, you know, a battery being thrown at Mrs. Boozer at Cole Fieldhouse. This was not Monica Sellis being stabbed. I guess I agree with you, but but you know, here's I don't know what what the ESPN motivation is, but I know I know the Wizards crew talking about it and making a big deal about it means that they didn't have to talk about the game as much. Um, no, I, I don't. Whatever. I, I didn't. I was watching the Knicks Hawks uh, at that point. Um, I actually I mean, talking about the popcorn means they didn't have to talk about how bad their team was. Exactly. And by the way, I, I don't know. This I, last I, night, I, I, watching the game. What? Uh, I mean, you know, in the post game, uh, in in the post game show, uh, I tweeted this: Wizards play by play announcer, not Steve Buckants, suggested. They might use this popcorn incident as motivation. <laughs> you couldn't even get his name? Come on. Uh, it's Justin that Kutcher. That guy is referred to as not Steve Buckhans to oh, me. Oh, my God. You're you're rude. You know, it's funny. I played Buck, uh, golf with Buck the other day, and Ernie Bauer and Joe Yashroff, we had a great time. Oh, God, here's your tweet. Wizards play-by-play announcer not Steve Buckhans suggested they might use this popcorn. <laughs> We're talking about popcorn. I I'm with you. Like I, all I wanted was okay. The popcorn. Let's get this guy, you know, arrested or banned or whatever. Uh, let's um, 
let's please uh, try to win the game on Saturday night. Let's make let's find out how Westbrook's ankle is. Yes. <laughs> and let's find out his, what the coach has to say about his prize three three point shooter. Davis Berton. What what a yeah, what a pathetic performance that was and what's he gonna do about it? All right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rip um the people uh, this was a story, so the fact that they were addressing it isn't a big deal. If that's all they addressed, I I think that's over the top and it contributes to sort of what I would believe to be an over the top reaction to this, like you do. Uh, I, I will just tell you that in playing golf with Buck the other day, I said to Buck, I go, look, he's not you. They're not you and Phil. We all miss you and Phil dearly. It was a dumb thing just like firing Barry or just like letting Don't Barry Trotz walk. But I'm Don't go where you're going. I'm, I, I did, and I did with Buck too. I told him. I've told him this before. Justin Kutcher is, knows how to call a game. This oh, is n- bullshit. No, he does. That's the most unprofessional horseshit broadcast I've ever heard in an NBA game. No, you. I've heard Are so much worse. Are you kidding me? I, I, that's an that's an embarrassment. It's not Buck and Phil. Please don't put don't do what you're about to do, okay? Because I would no, I would no, go down there and push them Buck out of the Phil. booth to get Buck and Phil back in. This Justin has Kutcher. To do with Buck and Phil. Even even Buck they said even Buck said no. He he can call a game. He 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 and he can. You're making it oh, out. Oh my god. It, the, I mean, it's it's it's. I'm not I'm not in basketball. love with Gooden. I'm not in love with Gooden. Although I do like Drew Gooden, because um, I've had him on the show and I think he's a good guest. Or I did when he was playing with them. Um, and and I, the bottom line is, it's not a great listen because you don't have the listen that you had, the chemistry, the fun, the whole thing. It's not no, it's not a great no, listen. No, it's not a great listen because it's not very good. Well, that's your opinion. I don't think it's great. But I think the over the top that it's terrible is over the top because Kutcher oh, can call not. a game. Kutcher can call a game, uh, Tommy. He can. He he knows how to call a basketball game. Now I think sometimes he doesn't let it breathe enough. I think sometimes he gets a little bit too much into the analysis. Although I think that's probably what I've done before when I've called games, especially if I feel like I know. Um, but. Um, he's, he's, I've heard a lot worse than Justin Kutcher calling an NBA game or Not calling me. a basketball game. I have. Not me. It's one of the worst I've heard. I have. And it, you know, it's, I'd say it's an embarrassment, but you know, when it comes to this organization, when it comes to the wizards, yeah. that's a long list. What's a bigger embarrassment, letting Barry Trotz walk or Buck and, or, or getting rid of Buck and Phil? They're both equal. They're pretty close. They're pretty close. I mean, because because the other one, the second one, uh, getting rid of Buck and Phil, that's in your face every every time you have to watch <laughs> a basketball game. That's true. All right. Uh, we have some OTAs, Chase Young, Jay-Z, Beyonce, and a lot of other things to talk about. We'll get to all of those things right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. So a little inside the podcast today. We had to break between the first segment and this segment because I had to record an interview for the radio show tomorrow um, with uh, with a Washington football team player. Tune in at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning on 980 to find out who that is. And Tommy and I just got into a little bit of an argument about what we should be talking about next because we started to have a conversation. And I just said to him, well, why aren't we just doing this as part of the segment? And, and Tommy's like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to do this. And I'm like, well, why not? Well, there's one reason you didn't want to do it, and I won't go down that path. As what is it? It's the report that you had a while back that you didn't want to touch on again for some reason. Well, only because it's it's history. It's old news. Well, it's old news, but it's old news that would be relevant to the current situation. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Wow. So we'll make this brief because it it deals with the basketball team, the pro team, and many of you don't care. And we're going to get to Chase Young, by the way, who missed all three OTA days. Uh, So did Montez Sweat um, here in a moment and Jay-Z and Beyonce. But I said to Tommy, I said, you know, I kind of feel like over the years – whether it was on the radio show that we did together or individually on the various things that we've been involved in or together on this podcast that, you know, I don't know, that we're certainly among those that haven't given Ted Leonsis a free pass for a lot of big mistakes. You know, he's got that Stanley Cup, and but there's been a lot of big mistakes made over the years. I think he's been a huge beneficiary as an owner in this town because Dan Snyder owns the football team. And Dan Snyder's not just the worst owner in this town. He's one of the worst owners in any town. All of them put together, he's one of the bottom five, bottom six owners in all of sports. So he's sort of had this free pass. But I've said that you and I have sort of 
you know, we've gone after him a little bit over the years. Like we've been critical of a lot of the moves, you know, professional moves, you know, the, the, uh, the sitting on his team's bench. He's the only owner in sports that sits on his team's bench. There are co- there are owners that come down to sidelines like Jerry Jones and and uh, what's his face in Atlanta Arthur Blank Arthur Blank um, you know Steve Ballmer definitely sits courtside but it's underneath one of those baskets Mark Cuban is two to three rows behind his bench but Ted actually sits on his team's bench he blogs about the team he criticizes the team and and I've always said my God can you imagine if Snyder were as um, available and were as opinionated as Ted is. I mean, he's already vilified for being a horrible owner, which he is. But my God, I mean, it would be so much worse. And, you know, the truth is, is Ted's franchises, other than the hockey team, well, I guess the Mystics have won a couple of titles. But I just said to Tommy, I go, you know, you and I, I think more than, you know, most people in this town have gotten after him. And you said yes. And then you mentioned a story that you had which I will now allow you to tell because for some reason you didn't want to tell this story, but now you're willing to tell it. So go ahead. Okay. Well, before they hired, when they got, we got rid of Ernie, uh, before they hired Tommy Shepard, uh, who wound up being the only guy left in the room. And that may have been the, the right move as it turns out. Uh, they wanted to hire the Toronto GM. What's his name? Masai Ujiri. Okay. Uh, and it got so far that the league threatened to file tampering charges against the against, Wizards and against Ted. the Wizards, and it was a big deal behind the scenes. And they were scared to death that they were going to get fined significantly, and penalized and embarrassed in their business. Uh, so they backed off, and then the league backed off and didn't do anything about it. You wouldn't know that happened if you dealt with all the other media in this town. I was the only one that reported it. Everybody knows it happened. And it it just shows that they treat Ted with kid gloves in this town. And it's easy to, he, because he is in some ways a likable guy. And like you've pointed out, uh, there's a lot of things about his business that are very good. Yes. You know, but uh, listen, He's the only owner to actually punch a fan. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, let's not forget that. So, uh, I mean, so I did, yeah, you're right. He does, he does get a pass. And it, 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 it speaks to uh, the image you present. And Ted presents an image of, uh, which is such a phony image, this image of transparency. You know, this is the code word. This is the code word in sports now, transparency. The Washington football team adopted it the minute Jason Wright came on board. Mm -hmm. It's his favorite word, transparency. Well, that's one of Ted's favorite words, too. Yeah. You should choke on that word, transparency, based on the way they've done business. You mean he didn't come out and tell us that they were threatening tampering charges for going after Ujiri? No. Because that would have been transparent if he had told us that they were – you know, I remember, first of all, I don't know why you were so hesitant to tell that. You had this story well, because a while it's back. history. Secondly, I, do th- I, I, think that, I think that a lot of people in the media understand that 
you know, the, the teams that he owns aren't the best run teams um, and haven't had the kind of success that you would think you they've had if you just sort of, you know, um, listened to him or followed him on social media or read Ted's take or whatever. I mean, look, I, I've said this a million times, like he understands the c- customer experience really well. I think it's really, I think that uh, going to a hockey game in this town in terms of the overall vibe and the fan experience is incredible. Um, without that Stanley Cup, man, I think there'd be a lot more people. He got a free pass on that, but then made the mistake. Clearly now it's a mistake. I'm not trying to act like I knew it was a mistake. I don't, I don't know enough about hockey. I believed all the people that told me Reards, you know, was the X's and O's genius behind the Stanley Cup. Clearly that's... I was not one of them. I know. You, you, you knew more than I. And clearly that you were right because Barry Trotz keeps winning playoff series and this team hasn't won one since he left. Not one. Not one. Not one. Um, and, you know, part of me thinks right, that the Washington basketball franchise, the Wizards, in many ways have been as disappointing and as dysfunctional as the Washington football team. Fran- you know what? Actually, that's not true. It hasn't been the um, the the high level of disrespect to their fan base that the football teams had. The football team has treated its fan base like it was like they were children, like they would they would take anything that they that that we were the children, they were the parents, and we would do whatever we were told for many years. And they they treated people that way, and they and they were so they were so arrogant. I don't think Ted's level or any uh, any of his organization's levels of arrogance rise to the level of the Snyder um, team's arrogance uh, over the years. Although keeping. Keeping that loser GM for 10 years on the job ranks among the one of the most arrogant. Uh, Why was that arrogant versus truly versus loyalty? Oh, no, no. That, that was that was arrogant. Why? That, that was a level of arrogance thinking that, you know, I don't care. Look, when you bought that team, they had been going through 30 years of 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 shameful, dysfunctional embarrassment. Okay, you were on the heels of one of the most embarrassing situations. Your players nearly having a gunfight mm-hmm. in the locker room, in, in in an atmosphere perpetrated by the general manager himself. Well, with his attitude towards these players. Right. Okay, and and you kept that guy. That was the ultimate insult. Well, that guy was more base. successful than anybody that came before him. During those thirty years, that's but, part but of the reason. That was the ultimate ins- insult. Okay, and I don't know about that. I don't. I don't know about the arrogance part. I think that you know, obviously, he. I think there was huge loyalty, and the bottom line is, you don't know about what was, Ernie. Ernie. Ernie's the the Gilbert Karan. Uh, um, Antoine teams, and you know, were more successful than any of the teams that could since '79. Like that was the best run. They were in playoffs. They won a playoff series, you know. So they were in, you know. But they, their one they loss de- record. They developed their one loss. Yeah, record. I know. Their you, one you, loss record. You, you is tweeted much it every day. Than, than any other general manager. I'm familiar with what it was. Who's, who's been in that team? Right. I know wins and losses don't matter. No, they do. But they were the worst. Right. Um, meantime, Ted has really been on the forefront, Tommy of the legalized gambling wave that is taking over the country. You know, they opened Ace up Rothstein. 
they opened up this William Hill, you know, sports book at Capital One Arena. The pictures look beautiful. So while he's been really focused on getting everybody to become addicted to gambling, <laughs> his his teams are not performing very well. Um, you know, I've seen the pictures. It looks beautiful. Uh, you know, the next time I'm, gonna, I'm down I'm there, go down. The next I'm time I'm down, down there, I'll I'll check it out. Uh, I can. Yes. I promise you, I don't need that place to place a wager, as you know. <laughs> I know. As you know, because I can place a much less expensive wager on credit uh, the way I've been doing it for years. But um, anyway, so the other part of the conversation was, you know, on Masai Ujiri, who I just said, you know, it's it's amazing how brilliant he was two years ago with Kawhi Leonard. And now, you know, not so brilliant anymore. You know, he was the he was the latest of the genius GMs. And it's just to me that's the NBA, right? That is the NBA. The the, the whoever has one of the best five players in the league and makes a run to the NBA finals or makes it or, or wins a title, great ownership, great coach, great GM, and there's no league in sports that is more reliant on having one of the best players in the game on your team to win it all than the NBA. We see it every year, every single year. I pointed this I out agree. a million times. Basically, I agree with yeah. all that. My my point is, in the playoffs, I, I mean, let's let's not even talk about the NBA title. Let's talk about getting to a conference final. Yeah. In the playoffs – Coaching matters more. It it matters it more, but it it yeah. will not because win you a title with matchups. It will not win you a title a without game season. It it will not win you a title. Um, we saw last year, and Spolster got that team to the final in the bubble. Um, yes. unless you have a definitive top five player on your team. Period. I agree. I agree. So, but getting to the final yeah. would be a nice change of pace right. for this organization. Well, Teron Liu got the Cavaliers, you know, to the finals and actually won the title, you know, uh, as well. Um, but I would not call Teron Liu a great coach. Um, anyway, whatever. Uh, yes, I agree with you that coaching matters more in the postseason. But ultimately, to win it all, you've got to have greatness. Um, not just great, but elite great uh, on your team to win it all. But you could argue that the Wizards have two great no, players. No, you can't. You can't argue that either one of those players is even a top 10 player. Really? Really. Yeah. Westbrook? No, not a top 10 player in the league. No way. First of all, Beal would be the argument. Beal would be the argument more than Westbrook at this point. But no. Um, to the me, guy who just averaged a triple-double? Yeah. He's not one of the best 10 players. There's no way if you held a draft right now for this year, for this postseason, there's no way either one of those two players would be one of the top 10 players. But that's different. That's different. What is that? Because people recognize he's a flawed player. Right. So therefore, therefore, it doesn't mean he's not a great player. I didn't say he wasn't a great player. I said he's not a top 10 player. And I think you have to, well, the, 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 the track record is if you don't have a top five player, then you can't win an NBA title. It's now 17 years running where the winner, the championship winner, has had a top five player on their team. The last team to do it was Detroit in 2004. Chauncey Billups, you could argue, was their best player, and he was not a top five player. Dirk Nowitzki was when Dallas won it. Kevin Garnett, Garnett was when the Celtics won it. You have to have an obvious top five player on your team to win an NBA championship, period. End of discussion. The Wizards don't even have a top 10 player on their roster. 
Now, I will tell you that if I were drafting for the postseason this year, I would take Beal before Westbrook. And Beal might be in my top 15 selections, but not my top 10. Beal's not a top 5 player. He's not a top 10 player. He's somewhere after 10. I think he will make the third team All-NBA team this year. And I think he deserves it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he almost led the league in scoring. Right. Um, All right, let's move to uh, the Washington football team. We'll get to the Jay-Z, Beyonce thing here momentarily. Big deal or not a big deal that uh, Ben Standig just confirmed um, via Twitter that for this first uh, stretch of OTAs, which, by the way, Ron Rivera has now changed the schedule, he's eliminated one of the OTA weeks. How about that? Uh, congratulations to the players. They worked so hard. It was such a great turnout. He appreciated the effort and work of the players so much that the the uh, he's canceling one of the OTA weeks in June, and he's moving the minicamp into that week. That That's mandatory, June 8th through 10th. Is it a big deal that Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Charles Leno didn't attend uh, any of these OTA se- sessions in part because – he, he and his wife just had a, a brand-new baby. Congratulations to them. Is it a big deal that Chase Young, Montez Sweat, didn't show up for any of the three OTA days? I think it is, but I always think it is. If you're a team leader and you don't show up for the volunteer, I think, I think the OTAs are absurd. That said, that once you get past the idea that you're, you're being asked to work when you know you don't really have to, is your point to cha- to to be to lead the culture change? You should be there. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, let's just assume that they could have been there and chose not to be there because, for all I know, there could have been like a real legitimate reason, a family yes, reason, yes. or something there else as be. to why that they weren't they weren't there. So let's assume that that's not the case. That 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 they just said, eh, not showing up. They're voluntary. Uh, they're not mandatory. I'm not showing up. Um, I think it's a medium deal. I, if you recall, Tommy, in the past, because you and I were doing the show together at the time, I was really upset about Trent Williams not showing up for OTAs, in part because that first year he didn't show up, I think, was the year after he got suspended the final four games of the season, which really hurt them. You know, not having their player for a playoff run, it was 2016. Remember, they had four games. They ended up losing the final game to the Giants. He, he got suspended for the, for whatever number we defense that was at that point. And he, he was not available to his team in a playoff push. And that was a big disappointment. And by the way, hurt the team. And then the following year, you know, OTAs, he's not there. I thought that was a big deal because Trent Williams was not only a perceived leader on the team, he's one of the best players of the team, and he had let the team down. Whether he thought, you know, it was justified or not. Well, the, he was a captain. Yeah. And and I thought Chase Young is a captain. I thought that was wrong. Um with Chase Young, I, again, assuming there's no legitimate you know story behind this and they just chose not to be there, it's not I don't think it's the right decision. I agree with you. It's not the right decision. There's a culture change going on. He's a perceived leader. You could argue pound for pound right now he's the best football player on the team. I think he is. And, you know, if he wants to take over that leadership thing, you know, and you're, by the way, none of this stuff, I understand for those of you just saying, what's, what's the big deal? None of this stuff matters to winning. Like teams that have low attendance win Super Bowls and teams that have high high attendance go 3-13. and 13. I'm sure you can find examples of all those. That's not the point. The point is 
he is now a perceived leader. Uh, people have looked to him. People looked in. You know, if he's setting an example for the people that are looking up to him that this isn't a big deal, um, I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think if he now, could have been the, there, he should have been said, there. All that said, if he has a legitimate personal reason for not being there. We ju- we've already said that. That's understood. I, know, I just want to double down on that. Uh, yeah. Shooting a commercial or something like that is not a legitimate personal reason. Right. Somebody being sick in his family, uh, right. somebody or, or him feeling, or maybe, maybe for all we know, they could have had recent COVID uh, contact, you know, could have been part of the contact trace. Uh, who knows what it is? All of that stuff is understood that if it's legitimate, fine. But the assumption here th- to have this conversation is that they just sort of chose, eh, we're not going. I mean, we're not picking on Montez Sweat as much as we're picking on Chase Young because Chase Young has sort of spoken and wants that leadership label, Yeah, you know? And he, you know, I I, I think, I mean, it's like one of those things, it's like, really, you can't make it to one of the days? (laughs) How about you showing up for one of them to introduce yourself in person to some of your new teammates on defense? You know, the rookie, Jamin Davis, he got drafted in the first round. He may be lining up just behind you in a lot of games next year. How about, you know, showing Jamin, hey, man, I'm a leader here. It, these are voluntary, but shit, we're trying to win here. If this if this extra work's going to help or not, bottom line is me being here, it sends a good signal, so I'm here. Hey, yes. Jamin, how you doing? William Jackson's new. Bobby McCain's new. They got a lot of new players. Hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. You're the leader of the offense. I'm the leader of the defense. We're both here. Yeah, you know, the more I talk about it, the more upset I'm getting about it. <laughs> uh, all right, Jay-Z, Beyonce, potential owners in the Washington football team. More on that right after this word from one of our sponsors. So yesterday, Tommy, Burgundy Blog, who we've referenced on the podcast before, and Burgundy Blog, you know, listens to the podcast, and he and I communicate usually uh, on private messaging uh, every once in a while. He's he's obviously got, you know, some good sources and has broken some stories and has had some information over the years. He keeps uh, to himself a little bit, is sort of mysterious. Um, I've invited him on the podcast several times and the radio show as well, and he's declined. Um, I'm not sure why he's claimed he was busy and that's fine. Maybe we'll get him on at some point. Um, anyway, he tweeted out in the late morning hours yesterday, quote, nothing imminent. These things take months and sometimes break down, but I have it on good authority that Jay Z is actively divesting assets to position himself for purchase of stake in Washington football team. Uh, that got a, a lot of attention yesterday. Um, I followed up with one of my very good sources on a lot of the stuff that has to do with the team, not necessarily the players on the team, but more the business side on the team. Um, I had mentioned months back that Washington was working with Rock Nation, and what I learned was, you know, it's been, you know, uh, probably over a year now that they've been working with Rock Nation. They've been working with another firm as well, MWW, but that Jay-Z's Rock Nation's been involved in marketing and media relations 
Um, they've been, you know, working on the name uh, process. Um, they were very instrumental in the hiring of Jason Wright, uh, the assistance in, in hiring of Jason Wright. They have very much been influential in the team not dealing with the Washington Post, but dealing more with the New York Times. Tommy, you could speak to that more in terms of whether that means leaking stuff to the Times and not the Post or being on record with the Times more than the Post. Um, they, uh, their CFO, which nobody cares about, um, but Greg Resch, uh, they hired him as their CFO um, a few months back, and uh, he was a recommendation from Rock Nation. Um, and now we've got the possibility of Jay-Z becoming uh, a, you know, a minority owner in the team. I would remind everybody that when they waived the debt limit and they allowed him to buy out you know, Fred Smith and Bob Rothman and Dwight Schar, that you and I both suggested and talked about the possibility that he would take on future investors that would be minorities because the league was pushing for that and that was my thought because look at what they've done in the organization they've got an incredible you know uh, stretch here of a year and a half two years of being one of the more progressive teams with respect to hiring minorities in the league and it yes, just they have. and it occurred to me that maybe they would you know uh, the first group that i thought about was that jose feliciano group you know, out in California that wanted to buy out the stake from directly from Rothman and Fred Smith, et cetera. Um, but this, according to my source, is a totally plausible thing that it makes total sense with one exception, and that is whether or not Jay-Z would require some voting stock, some input, you know, some level of, of, of not control, but input Versus what the, you know, Fred Smith, Dwight Schar, Bob Rothman 40% uh, ownership group had, which was no voting stock and no say in anything. And this person said, it definitely makes sense that the league would be for this, that it would be great for the league, that Snyder might be into it. He's already working with their their group. But would Jay-Z and somebody of his stature want to, you know, buy into a team with no say in the team? No voting, you know, control. Um, anyway, uh, what's your reaction to it? And then I'll give you mine. Okay. Now, I'm not familiar with all the NFL minority owners, you know, I mean, investors with each particular team. Right. But uh, I'd like to see the list and maybe we can make a, a compile this list if we can put our research department to work of uh, NFL investors who have stabbed somebody uh, over the course of their life? I'm going to guess that the answer is zero. Okay. Well, well, if JC what do you, comes aboard, what do you, what do you think the, the, list is, the list becomes one. Right. What do you think? Um, do you think I'm right that the list is zero? Yes. Okay. I think the list is zero. Okay, so... Okay. Yeah. Jay-Z in 1999 was accused of stabbing a rec record executive at a party. Right. He denied doing it, saying was he couldn't remember what happened because he blacked out in anger. The blackout is always a good defense, but he wound up pleading guilty to third-degree uh, assault. Didn't go to jail, wound up with probation. But, you know, I don't think the NFL is ready to embrace a minority investor who has stabbed somebody. Hmm. 
I just don't think so. I didn't think about I mean, it from that perspective. That doesn't go away. Well, you know, as much as as much as we like to legitimize uh, everything that you know he's done since, and he's become a tremendous businessman. Yes. he stabbed a guy and pled guilty to it. Right, but you know, this league's about second chances. They've always been about <laughs> second and third chances. It's true. I don't think that no, that I don't would even be. Think I don't think ever stabbed anybody. I don't think that would be an impediment at all. You don't? No, I don't. By the oh, way, um, so. the guy Khan in Jacksonville is of Pakistani descent, and Kim Pogula is Asian American. She co-owns the Bills with her husband. Those okay. are the two minority. Uh, those are the two people of uh, minority that are principal owners. I don't know it, what the list is of minority owners, like is in minority stake shareholders. I don't think anything's going to come of it. I think if nothing comes of it, it wouldn't be because of what you said, but it would be because Why if not? you're going to be in bed for with somebody without any voting stock and any say, the last person that you'd want to, 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 to be a, a part of is – is a group with Dan Snyder. But you see, and, you're, you're and, and, putting and, 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 it on Jay-Z. I'm saying the league is a yeah, guy. I think it would be Jay-Z that would opt out, not the league. I think the Jay- What I, makes you think they, they uh, approve a guy with, with I just told you why. A, they give players guilty, second and third chances all the time. stabbing somebody. They give players second and third chances all the time. And, it's, and in this day and age when they are you know, trying to, you know, uh, by the way, this team in particular, which – has the challenge that it's never had before. You know, when I say never had before, the challenge of the last few years that it never had before, where it actually has to market itself, where it actually has to sell itself. Not that the organization behaves in this way, but they should be actively marketing itself, making people available, being more transparent. They need customers. Well, they're not doing any of that now. Well, they're doing it maybe, you know, they they, they got to, they're thinking about it more than they've ever thought about it. Jason Wright That's is. nice. Jason Wright That's talks nice. about transparency all the time. That's Jason nice. Wright. Did you see the video of him and Dan Snyder out in LA uh, touring the stadium? Yeah, didn't we talk about this the other day or not? No, you and I didn't talk about it. Okay. You know? What did you, you know think? What, you know where he needs to be? Where? Talking about a stadium and touring places. In Washington D.C. Well, he might. He doesn't be. need to be in L.A. He doesn't need to be flying to Europe to look at their stadiums. Mm-hmm. He still has no friends in Washington, and this is all an exercise in futility until he gains some kind of leverage in D.C., of which he has zero. So you're wasting your time in L.A. and Budapest and wherever else you're going. Looking at stadiums, pal. I think he he made the comment, and I'm looking for the exact quote that he said. We have a lot of people interested in working with us back at home. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing there, but there was there was some sort because it was a very um. First of all, it was Dan sort of comfortable, uh, dressed casually, uh, laughing a lot, you know, at dumb things. Um, and then it was, you know, Jason sort of jumping in and taking over the conversation and, right. you know, talking about, um, 
you know, uh, they've got a lot of options and, and they're absorbing. There was, you know, the typical McKinsey, lots of business, uh, business buzzwords in the answer, <laughs> but they're absorbing a lot. They're absorbing a lot on this trip, just absorbing. And they're absorbing all these different stadiums. And at one point he said, and I'm looking for the exact quote, cause I don't want to misquote him, but it was something about, um, Oh, we're taking inspiration from everywhere. If we're going to do something that our fans really deserve, which is cutting edge and innovative, we got to take in all these ideas. We can be creative. We're out there absorb, uh, absorbing. Um, where's the part about everybody uh, being interested? I know that he said at some point. Okay, I'm, I'm sure you're right. Uh, my point is that nothing has changed in the district. In terms of Dan Snyder's uh, influence, clout, or or even ability to talk about a stadium, Tommy has been really all over this. Everybody out there, he has he's got no political. He friends has sources. In the he's got contacts, and he knows the situation currently. That doesn't mean it won't change. Doesn't mean it won't change. They might fall in love with Jason Wright. At Jason and Jay-Z. And by the way, if you want a stadium in D.C., send Beyonce down there ask and have her ask for it. Because I think I would say yes quickly. Um, I can't find the quote. I know he said everybody's interested back home in working with us. Like almost inferring that all three jurisdictions are really interested. You don't believe yeah. that to be you true. You don't even know who the next governor of Virginia is going to be. <laughs> right. But you don't believe that to be true. No, I don't. They're wondering if they're going to be able to do training camp in Virginia this this year in, in, in Richmond again. I thought they're not doing it there. I think it's up in the air. Hmm. Okay. I could be wrong. No, you might be right about that. I, I, I thought I read something recently that it's not going to happen. Okay. Well, Richmond. I wouldn't be surprised. Or maybe, I I would put it this way. It's, been a, it's been a terrible deal for Richmond. Yes. I has. mean, a horrendous deal for Richmond. So yes. if, it, if it's back in Richmond, it's going to be a better negotiated deal for Richmond this time. I mean, man, you talk about getting the better of the deal on that one. Old Bruce, old Bruce yes, sold did. that one well. Just, just in time, too, Tommy, before it really started to crater. Back when they thought Bruce was actually an upgrade over Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, like, the crowds in, in the first few years in the RG3 crowd? I mean, that summer was insane yeah, was in Richmond. When the, Patri- when the Patriots were there, and then when it, RG3 was coming back, that was crazy. And then, literally, there were a couple of years where the media, the media members, you know, outnumbered the fans that were in attendance. True. A couple of those days. You know, I'm going to get crucified for the Jay-Z stuff. Why? I will. Is it true? Just will. Of course it's true. Okay, well. That doesn't matter. I I just, I don't see that being like a big issue for the NFL. I mean, I mean, think, Wait, of, think about what you're saying. Though. Okay, well, I, I, I guess what I would do if I were really interested in, do, in doing a, a, a point counterpoint is I would go back and identify all of the legal issues, probably some real ugliness of a lot of the owners currently in the league. Yeah, but but I, I agree with you. He didn't kill him, did he? You. There are there are <laughs> reprobates. He didn't kill him. And weasels who own teams in the NFL, people who hey. have probably committed horrific 
crimes of all sorts of natures that we don't know about, okay? The NBA didn't have a problem with it. He was a Brooklyn Nets uh, minority owner. That's true. Uh, right, he was. I'm just yeah. remembering that. He, it was when the Russian owned the team, right? Didn't he have a, a significant share in the team? Yes, I think he did. You're right. I just, I just don't think the NBA is not the NFL. Okay. Uh, anything else? I feel like we didn't touch on some relevant current topics of the day. You know, Alex, well, you know, we can't do an eight-hour podcast, buddy. I know we can't. Um, Alex Smith really ripped the Packers for not telling Aaron Rodgers that they were trading up for Jordan Love and said that Andy Reid and the entire Kansas City organization was totally up front with him when they drafted Patrick Mahomes. I, you know, it's funny because you know me, I, I more often than not ha- don't like the oversensitivity of, of players. Um, and at the same time, I don't want them to be taken advantage of. But it, it, But to me, this was really stupid. This was really dumb. Like, I try to put it in in terms that I would be more uh, familiar with, you know, having a a, a significant contributing employee, like a really talented employee that was meaningful to the business that I was in, and then I was going to try to hire somebody to be sort of a co of theirs and just bring them in without telling them. No, I wouldn't do that. But, but you know... There are certain employees like that sometimes who you dread picking up the phone to talk to because they're such a pain in the ass. I agree with that. That's true. But this guy has been the face of your franchise since the I last face you. of the franchise. And if, if, if you thought he was a pain in the ass to pick up the phone to call to let him know, you had to think he was going to be a massive pain in the ass if you didn't yes. tell him. You're right. So it just, it's so dumb on their part. I mean, we talked about this, but the Bears told Andy Dalton they might draft draft a quarterback this year. The Vikings told Kirk Cousins they might draft a quarterback this year. You know what's surprising? I I expect more from Mark Murphy. He's the president of the team. I mean, you got to think he was involved in that decision. He's not the GM, but he's the president of, of the Packers. I mean, this guy was a former labor uh leader among the players association when he uh you know played safety for washington is a colgate graduate i I expect more from him i think the the ire from from uh rogers is directed towards the gm yeah it is yeah um should i title today's show buttered or not question mark or (laughs) he didn't kill him did he Have a good day. Uh, Back tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening.